I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. A lot of things are going to change when the episode following this one comes out. Unless something goes horribly wrong, I will have a new website for the Darkverse and also a new sharkchild.com that will include a blog. I will have a new podcast image for the Darkverse and also a new intro for the Darkverse. It's that time that things need to be reinvented and reinvigorated. Become my fan on Facebook at facebook.com slash sharkchild and you'll be able to know immediately when the new websites are up. If the Darkverse is starting to give you a rash, that means it's time to buy the Darkverse Volume 1 hardcover book. Get it signed with free shipping at sharkchildsremains.com. It's been a long time, but I am finally starting up another multi-episode, multi-part story. The part I'm going to share with you tonight is much more fantasy than anything else, but the next part will really get into some good horror. To forewarn you, I normally have new musical intros for series, but I didn't have the time to put one together yet for this one. I will have that music for the next part. All right. This is episode 61 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled Knave Part 1. I once had in my possession a unique thermometer I called the Gaptha. Using the buoyancy of five silver circlets in liquid contained in a tall, slim, clear cylinder, it determined the temperature. If the temperature was to reach a very specific reading, down to fractions of a degree, these five silver circlets aligned in a pattern that, for while they were in that alignment, unlocked a gateway in the space between airs. The precise distance between these air particles, which would alter at any minor change in temperature, allowed matter from a place called the Devoted Man's Bazaar to connect with the world. To enter the Devoted Man's Bazaar by means of the thermometer was to let air slice between flesh, allowing it to come together again in a strange domain. The devoted man's bazaar was indeed a marketplace, and it was operated by none other than the devoted man, the traveling being who was not man, but only called himself so. He engineered things beyond understanding, and found ways to come and go, creating pockets in the continuum of space, havens where he could lead his trade at the apex of mystery. Under these circumstances, people acquired merchandise from his inventory, whether knowing or not, intending to visit or not intending to visit. More often than not, 
People had no idea they procured items from this interdimensional economy, because the devoted man had his ways of blending his refuge flawlessly with the world, and had other ways of masking his secrets. When he chose to carry out business, the bazaar would appear in a remote location, never within or even close to a city. There would nearly always be a large, silver meadow surrounding the bazaar, with the bazaar itself appearing as a glowing, striped tent. And it always came at night, never when there was a single spot of sunlight. With the Gaptha under a controlled environment, I was able to locate the devoted man on my own terms, enabling myself with passage to his bazaar whenever I so chose. After many visits and persistence, I was offered a proposal by the man. I accepted and entered into an agreement with him. This agreement was written as such. Leave your life, live in mine. Work for me, earn a life. Do things well, be well rewarded. I was a simple-minded man, and although the words of the devoted man were equally simple, I knew there dwelled a land of intellect in his head that I dare not try to categorize. His fluorescent gray hair allured the strongest willed. His peaceful, truthful ways elicited inexplicable persuasion. His deep, piercing eyes called forth the name of the soul. It was no wonder that with such a tool as the Gaptha that I traveled to the devoted man's bazaar as frequently as possible. It was no wonder that with enough exposure, I would give my life to it. I was enamored by the devoted man's ways, probably more than I should have ever been. At thirty-nine years of age, I left my life behind and entered the ethereal for what I thought would be forever. There is a world in my pocket. I can place people there to live their dreams, or hold people there to face their nightmares. The devoted man would often tell me these words. While there was nothing but an amiable relationship between us, it was because of these words that a fear always firmly held the outer rims of my heart. And maybe it was this fear that held me so securely to the awe I felt for this man. I had never seen him exercise any actions that proved his words but there was no doubt in my mind that he could do even more, greater things. My first recollection of the devoted man's bazaar is a memory I will most assuredly never forget. In the basement of my single-occupied home, using a walk-in wine cellar vacant of wine in its racks, and reconfigured with a heater rather than a cooling unit, I orchestrated temperature watching the Gaptha's circlets flow closer and further apart with the change of heat. As I watched the device closely, I noticed within a certain window of temperature that the array of circlets ever so slightly reverberated. Patiently, I adjusted the temperature by fractions of degrees as if tuning a sensitive instrument. When I reached and halted at 111.4 degrees Celsius, the circlets ceaselessly shook, millimeters at a time. 
I then noticed that even the air surrounding the gaptha and within the cellar also shook. It was not discernible through visual means. It could be felt. Soon enough, the shaking air began to penetrate my essence, pushing against me and through me. Time and matter swirled together in a chaotic blur of consciousness. Then I drifted further and further away from the reality I knew, before the pieces of myself came together again, atom, tissue, organ. In the tunnel of a lowly lit cavern, I materialized. Unaware of myself or my surroundings, and in the control of an environment with different laws, I fell intensely upon my head. Discovery A rich voice spoke as vigilance within me began its return. I tried to speak, but was incapable. That voice will not work here, not now, the stranger said. I then saw that the voice had come from a man sitting beside me. His lips were indeed moving when he spoke, even though my own attempts failed. The man saw my frustration. Use your mind, pushed the words out. He gestured with his hands, bringing his fingers together by his mouth and then exploding them outward and apart. Again I tried, but again I was unable. The mind is your muscle and your voice is tangible. Make your words whole and press them from you. Visualizing the words I wished to speak as blocks in my mind, physical things that collected and had mass, I forced them to the incorporeal mouth of my thoughts and fired them from me. Am where I? They came out, not in their proper order. Ah, so there is something of intelligence in there, the man said. Welcome to my bazaar, the devoted man's bazaar. After further acquainting myself with the ways of the bazaar, I was finally able to stand and be led by the devoted man through his market. At the time, it was in the form of a cavern, subterranean-like tunnels lined with illuminating torches fastened to the walls. The color of the rock was not brown or gray or any of the earth tones I would have expected. It was a glossy burgundy. Within the tunnels, there was a large chamber that held an abundance of rare and intriguing items. These items, the devoted man told me, were the obstructions of fate. They willed change, they manipulated difficulty, and they exploited wisdom. No path through life was safe while the obstructions of fate existed. These were the items he created, and these were the items that he sold. It was impossible not to desire the devoted man's objects. They were foreign and amazing. This was my first viewing of them, and already temptations of theft prodded my hands. Before me, I saw tainted things, humming and churning in and out of mass. I saw whimsical things, living and breathing. I saw dark things, wallowing in uncharacteristic emotion, acting in flesh, but existing in material. Each one of them called to me as if destiny had forged a bond between us, sealing us for an eternity together. Stay between the devoted man told me, 
stay between. Those were his words for do not touch. My first visit surely ended there after that tour. The devoted man led me through one of the tunnels to a location marred by haze, told me that I should come back, and then clapped his hands together through my head, shattering me from the head down. He then sent me back through the rift of air that I had come from. Another unforgettable experience was my first witnessing of a transaction in the devoted man's bazaar. I used the gapetha to arrive at the bazaar, just as the devoted man began altering it into its most common form, the silver meadow and the striped tent. He connected it with my world, blending it with the surroundings while covering what was beneath. To attract his customers, the devoted man sent forth one of his items, a small, brass-colored, bird-like machine called the Aligner. Three aligners were dispersed out into the world. They traveled to the nearby towns and entered three people, three hosts, realigning their invisible pathways of fate, leading them to the bazaar. The realignments were made through forced reason, the desire for a walk, a longing to be alone, and other subconscious influences. Once the alignments were complete, the aligners left the people and returned to the bazaar. Two hours later, the first customer arrived. It was a woman. She was bundled in a down jacket and jeans, and wore a cap on her head. There was nothing unordinary about her. She walked into the tent and adjusted her eyes to the glow. The devoted man walked up to her and greeted her. Good evening, I believe I know what you have come for, he said. Hello, the woman responded. Unlike with my first experience in the bazaar, the woman's voice exuded normally. The bazaar was blended with the world, and to allow such a mixture of elements, the market needed to mirror the world in science. Neither was fragmentation of the body needed to enter the bazaar. Anyone could have walked right in. If I knew where the bazaar would have appeared in the world, and I was there, there would have been no need for the gapetha, but such knowledge did not exist, nor would exist such impeccable luck at being at the proper location. Yes, the woman continued, I am in need of this, the devoted man said, and then sifted through the obstructions of fate and pulled from his inventory a crystal orb. It sparkled and radiated, and inside colors teemed with life. The devoted man then asked for her name, took her name, and then handed her the item. As the item transferred from his hands to hers, it melted away and vanished inside her. She then left. The more I lived in the devoted man's bazaar, the more something began to change within me. Over time I could not fathom, there brewed a lust inside me in the form of hideous and horrible urges to obtain the obstructions of fate. The interweaving of my internal fabric rewrote upon itself and affixed the needles, the tools, into the work, the creation, like a needle left in the completed doll, like a needle left in the surgical suture.
The more I desired and the more I did not have, the more the needles punctured my essence, bleeding them and torturing them into a place of disaster, of thoughtlessness and instinct. A moment came when I could no longer control myself. When the devoted man went to attend to another region of the bazaar, leaving me alone with the items, I gorged myself on their power. I picked up the items, more than one at a time, and plunged them into my being. One item was enough to severely alter a person's life. I used several. My essence spilled outside of myself as the obstructions of fate took hold within me. The pain and desire was finally quenched, like the first sip of cool water after a trek through the desert. In moments, the devoted man was upon me, but I was now cringing and puking. The different obstructions of fate were manipulating me, my aspirations, my dreams, my nightmares. The devoted man spoke to me. Your life is lost. You have nothing more to sacrifice. Your home is lost. You have nowhere to go. Be who you are now, knave. I could not make you by my own will, but by yours you made yourself. Now nothing is up to you. You will forever be in chaos. Go to your world. The devoted man clapped his hands through my head. It took three tries before he was able to dissipate me and send me back to my old world. I materialized in the wine cellar of my past home's basement. Horrible and beautiful feelings filled me. There was no choice, not any decisions to be made. Every act was right. Every inaction was right. I could love and I could kill. I could destroy and I could renew. All measures were free of judgment and transgression. Fate had been obstructed. Before me, the gape the lay, decrepit and broken with age. I stared at it for a long time. I stared at it until I remembered how it first came into my possession. It was night, and it was just lying beside the road, upon strands of silver grass. I grinned. That concludes episode 61 of The Dark Verse. Get all of the past episodes at thedarkverse.com, or you can also find them on iTunes. If you have an extra second, please give The Dark Verse a rating on iTunes. Once again, become my fan on Facebook at facebook.com slash sharkchild. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's twitter.com slash sharkchild. Okay, until next time. All stories on the dark verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.